Broadcasting from the road somewhere in New Mexico. This is Campus Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Thurl. This is episode 48. Bart Ehrman. Aaron. Knowing that the harvest might well come before the bloom. Welcome, everybody, to the Campus Podcast, a podcast designed to encourage and equip you in the work of evangelism on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, flfnetwork.com, or crosspolitic.com. And if you can visit our website, and one of the exciting things, not only do you visit our website, but we now have an app. So you can go to your uh, respective app downloading stores and download the Cross Politic or Fight, Laugh, Feast Network app. And uh, all the podcasts will be kind of set into one area. Uh, so pretty easy to listen to each of the shows and everything else. So pretty exciting. Not only that, we have the first annual Fight, Laugh, Feast Network Conference in uh, Nashville. I believe it's October 1st through the 3rd. Um, so if you're anywhere in the greater Nashville area or you're free to travel that weekend, come on down to the uh, Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Uh, I'm not sure all the ins and outs and who's going to be presenting and preaching and teaching and all that sort of jazz um, I don't think all the details are ironed out, but that's what we have going on. And uh, so I'm getting my semester underway, and uh, I will be preaching out west for probably the next month, and then I'm going to uh, hopefully race through the Midwest, and I got I got like 30 places I need to get, so I'm going to be zipping all around. So last night, I'm driving um, <laughs> I'm driving towards Arizona. I get tired. I'm changing time zones, all that sort of stuff. I get tired, and I decide to stop in a tiny town in New Mexico and get a hotel because the hotels in Arizona, for whatever reason, were like twice the price. And so I stopped maybe two, three hours earlier than I planned. I was like, oh, I'll get a good night's sleep. And so I checked into my hotel, go to my room, lay down. It was like 9 o'clock, maybe 9.30. And as I'm laying there, I can start to hear yelling in the room next to me. And as they're yelling and screaming, then next thing I know, you can kind of hear like a little bit of a tussle. Uh, Maybe someone hit a desk and then boom, up against my wall. And uh, they're screaming and yelling at each other. And uh, after a few minutes, I was kind of like, ah, you know what? Maybe I should uh, do something about this. So I go down, not me, you know, it's not like I'm going to knock on a door, enter a domestic dispute. Like, I always hear that that's when the police officers die. I was like, the last thing I want to do is die in a hotel in the middle of New Mexico over a domestic dispute. So I go down to the front desk and say, hey, there's uh, some sort of fighting going on in uh, 216. I'm in 218, would you mind giving me another room and maybe looking into it, calling the police, whatever you got to do, uh, but I would like another room because I don't know if it's going to go on all night. And she was just like, oh, really? Okay, um, I'll call them. So she calls up and she calls up and she says, uh, there's a gentleman down here uh, who's staying next to you and he hears fighting in your room. Is everything okay? I'm like, really? You're, 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 you're selling me out? You're telling them that I'm reporting them. You can't just say, hey, is everything all right? There's noise coming from your room, uh, blah, blah, blah. I just want to make sure everything's okay. And then from there, she didn't even give me a new room. And so I had to uh, take the stairwell up. You know, it's only one floor. But I was like, I'm not walking by that room again because the last thing I need is for some guy to come out and want to screw up with me for being a rat and telling. And the girl never called the police. And there was a little bit more yelling a little bit later. But for the most part, uh, things uh, did kind of calm down at that point. But uh I was like, man, that is the most ridiculous uh, approach to handling the situation I could have ever imagined. So that was last night, and now I'm on the road. Fortunately, I made it through the night, and uh, now we can discuss uh, Bart Ehrman. Um, But in this episode, we're going to be looking at uh, Bart Ehrman's errant epistemology. So a few weeks ago, Bart Ehrman um, 
posted a blog post that was entitled uh, a, Revel a Revelatory Moment About God. So I don't know if you know who Bart Ehrman is, but he's a uh, professor at UNC Chapel Hill, and he's probably one of the best, you know, I guess, uh, what do you call that? Oh my goodness. Uh, not like textual critics, textual critics uh, in the United States, probably considered one of the best. Um, he's a good mainstream scholar. Uh, I think he's often relatively fair-handed. He's usually worth reading, um, but within that, he's also a former Christian. So I believe he went to Moody Bible College, then he went on to go get his uh, PhD at Princeton, I believe, and it was while he was at Princeton, and there are other issues involved, but he uh, at least claims he began to wrestle through um, textual variations and things along those lines and thought he uh, discovered contradictions in the Bible and all that sort of stuff. And so he kind of uh, lost his faith at some point along the way. Um, or if you want to be a real Calvinist, he was never in the faith, uh, depending on how you want to articulate those things. But um, he had a debate uh, with Peter Williams, who has a pretty good book called Are the Gospels Reliable? So if you're looking for a real basic introduction to uh, kind of the historicity of the Gospels. Peter Williams is a very helpful, short, little, concise book that's worth reading. But there's a program called Unbelievable Radio out of the UK. That's uh, the, the guy does a pretty good job interviewing people and brings on a broad spectrum. But Peter Williams and Bart Ehrman had a debate on that over the historicity of the Gospels. And personally, I believe that Bart Ehrman won the debate. And the several debates I've listened with Bart Ehrman, I believe he's he has won those debates. Um, there was a, there's a gentleman named uh, Steve Wedgworth who's a pastor in um, uh, Vancouver, and he he has a Twitter account called Wedge Tweets, and I think he's worth following. But he made a comment about Peter Williams being, uh, you know, one of the finest scholars, and uh, he seemed to suggest that he thought that Bart Ehrman uh, that he beat Bart Ehrman in the debate. Uh, I didn't, uh, and and part of it, as you were listening to it, is uh, part of the debate is over epistemology. Uh, what's going on in the text, historicity. So, for example, what, what I mean is this, and uh, there are some tweets after this that are uh, worth reading. But if you look at the accounts in Matthew and Luke over uh, the death of um, Judas, it, they appear to be contradictory. And from there, Bart Ehrman just says, look, evangelicals need to bring these contradictions together so they come up with uh, ideas um, that basically want to reconcile the accounts, even though we have no account uh, histor historically of a hanging going this way and blah, blah, blah. So it's, uh, and then there, there are this set of tweets, I wish I could remember the gentleman's name, uh, where he goes through the theology of Luke and the theology of Matthew and why Matthew is structuring Judas's death a certain way and why Luke is structuring Judas's death a certain way. And I would say I'm largely persuaded that that is what the text is doing. But in Bart Ehrman's eye, at that point, are they doing history or are they doing theology? And I think that's the place where uh, the trouble often comes into because I'm willing to admit that, yes, uh, Luke is doing theology. Matthew is doing theology and not just a bare blank history where Bart Ehrman wants there to be a bare blank history, um, basically like a video recording of the events. And if you don't have a video recording of the events, uh, you don't know what happened. So we don't have a video recording of Epstein's uh, suicide, quote-unquote suicide. So we don't know what happened in that. Uh, we can speculate and blah, 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 but we don't really know what happened. And so one group's going to look at the evidence and claim that it's uh, a suicide. Others are going to claim that uh, he was killed and you know the, the video cameras weren't working. So, so what do we really know historically has happened? What Ehrman basically wants to argue is that we cannot know historically some of Jesus' dialogues and some of these events and stuff like that, even if uh, 
Luke's gospel is accurate in all the details that it accounts. And so uh, Bart made a comment that if you are listening to this debate without a recorder, you don't necessarily know what uh, happened during that debate. Now, you could put all the landmarks, I think they were in England at the time, you could put all the landmarks of London down as you're writing the account, uh, but without an actual recording of the conversation, you can't know what took place in that conversation, is what he wants to argue. And so th there, there's an epistemological standpoint that I think Williams entered into that I believe ultimately uh, would have to make him claim it's a well, we, we accept it by faith, and Ehrman would say that's fine, but you're not doing history at that point. And so anyway, there was uh, the, uh, the, the whole debate's worth listening to, just because it's, it's kind of the sort of stuff that you're up against. If you're going to be doing evangelism, you're going to be doing ministry, especially on college campuses where Bart Ehrman, uh, his name may not be known, but the basic ideas of what he's throwing out there is influential, because I've bumped into quite a few people who listen to like a Sam Harris podcast, and Ehrman's been on that, and... Uh, students will regurgitate uh, the arguments that he puts forward uh, that are appearing on campus. Uh, but what I want to do in this podcast is look at the, um, uh, and we're probably going to do it over the next couple of weeks, and hopefully I'll incorporate some campus preaching um, into it. Um, but I wanted to look at his blog post called A Revelatory Moment About God, because there's so much in there that's like actually pretty good and helpful and something that you kind of want in your back pocket. Um, as you're interacting with unbelievers, uh, because there, there are certain strands that I think is okay, but at the same time, there, there are so many problems uh, that are taking place that, that the, the whole thing's kind of errant. But I'm gonna read the first two paragraphs here and then kind of brush on a little philosophy, I guess, and that, that I think help peg certain information for you. So um, let's get at it. Uh, I had a rel revelatory moment last week that I think may have changed my view about, quote-unquote, God uh, for a very long time, or at least about the existence of superior beings far beyond what we can imagine. As most of you know, I have long been an agnostic atheist, and as some of you may recall, I define atheists differently than most people, at least in relationship to agnostic. The word agnostic means don't know. Is there a God? I don't know. How could I possibly know? How could you? I know a lot of you do quote unquote know or think you know, but my view is that if you're in that boat, you think there is a God, even deeply believe, but really at the end of the day, there's no way to know, at least in the same way you know that you have two knees, live in Pennsylvania, or like lasagna. And so there, there are several places there where he used the term no. And if you're gonna be doing evangelism, epistemology is everything, uh, almost in, in a way. Everyone's going to, how do you know, how do you know, how do you know, how do you know, how do you know? And one of the things that's kind of helpful is if you have basic categories of epistemology down, so that way when you're interacting with somebody, you can hear kind of what their, what, what is their epistemology. And, and one of the things, you don't just want to run around throwing out epistemology because 99% of the population has no idea what epistemology is, and they don't know why they think the way they think or why they believe the way they believe. They just kind of believe things. So, for example, the average American does not know why he believes democracy is good. They just believe in democracy. Um, and if someone comes along and starts arguing for monarchy, 
they're, they're just looked at kind of cross-eyed and, and the average person believing in democracy does not know how to respond because he has not really thought through the issues of democracy. It's kind of a cultural assumption. So in many ways, we have cultural assumptions about epistemology and, and we are generally speaking what's called empiricism. Science kind of rules and reigns the day and so kind of seeing is believing. Empiricism is the idea that we can only know things uh, by experience, by, by a sense impression of them. So for example, um, you know, I, I, I've never been to China. So, so without, you know, say 300 years ago, 400 years ago, without someone having been to China or having reports of China, uh, you cannot know, uh, you know, what language the Chinese people speak until you got there and you had an experience of what language they were speaking. And so the empiricist wants to say, we, we can only know those things by experience. Unless we have a sense impression of them, we can't know them. And so in turn, what they want to say, you know, God is, you know, the Christian claims that God is spirit, God is invisible, non-corporeal. And so they want to say, see, we never have a sense impression of God, therefore we cannot know uh, God. And so if you're listening to Bart Ehrman here, the, the thing that's a little frustrating is I, I think it's pretty sloppy because the way we know that we have two knees, uh, the way we know we live in Pennsylvania, and the way we know we like lasagna are all actually different. And um, so, so even some of those are not empirical in nature. Uh, the, the idea of Pennsylvania is uh, somewhat of an abstraction and it's socially constructed. Uh, tomorrow, Pennsylvania could be gone and could be named something else. And so the, the person who currently believes that they live in Pennsylvania, uh, that could radically change. And so the idea of tasting grandma's lasagna and knowing that you like it or don't like it is also different than how you, whether or not you know you live in Pennsylvania. And so empiricism, is a helpful category for us, and as Christians, we affirm empiricism. You know, doubting Thomas often gets beat up for believing in or saying, "I won't uh, believe until I see him." Uh, but that's very reasonable. If people are running around claiming that someone has risen from the dead, it's very reasonable to ask, "Where is the physical empirical evidence?" And so Thomas often gets beaten up for that. Uh, but even Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he makes a very empirical argument that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve, then more than five hundred. Last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared to me. And so much the argument there is empirical in nature. So as Christians, we're not against empiricism. Uh, we just don't believe that empiricism tells us all that there is to know about reality, um, and it's not the only way we can know things. And in philosophy, one of the other ways uh, historically that people argue that we can know things is by rationalism. And in the history of philosophy, rationalism and empiricism are often set against each other because rationalism claims that we can know things prior to experiencing them. So thinking of China again, two plus two equals four. I've never been to China, but I guarantee that if you have two Chinese people, another two Chinese people, you're going to have four Chinese people. So prior to an experience of China, I know that two plus two is going to be four there. Prior to experiencing it, I know that two parallel lines are not going to intersect. So in rationalism, we can know things, um, or, or kind of like in rationalism, maybe the way to put it is that there is a faculty in man uh, that is able to grasp necessary truths. And so there are certain things that are necessarily true. Two parallel lines will not enclose a space is once you grasp what two parallel lines are, you grasp, but it's never going to enclose a space. Once you grasp the concept of two uh, and you grasp the concept of addition and you grasp uh, you know, equals, uh, you know that two plus two is going to equal four. And so you can know things prior to experiencing them. I've never been to the moon. 
uh, but I know certain things are necessarily true prior to getting there. So I have a faculty in me that is able to grasp necessary truths. So as you're interacting with people, listen for when they're making empirical claims and then from there when they're gonna make rational claims. And in the history of philosophy, rationalism and empiricism don't go together uh, because if you can only know things by sense impression, obviously you can't know them prior to experience. And at the same time, if, if there are things that are necessarily true, um, you don't need the experience to know what those things are. Uh, and yet, as we go about our daily life, we know those things, we, we kind of go back and forth between those two things on a daily basis. Um, when we go to buy milk, when we go to buy bread, um, we're actually kind of doing both rationalism and empiricism at the same time. You walk into a store, you look for milk, you get it, you go to check out and you exchange money, all the numbers that are invisible and all the ontology that's going on there. There's so much going on uh, and you just kind of go through your life and you kind of know things and do things uh, without thinking it through. But the minute you become a little more self-conscious of what you're doing, uh, you realize that, yeah, on a daily basis, I'm using rational faculties and I'm also using empirical faculties. Now what the Christian wants to do, contra Bart Ehrman, is we come along into discussion and we say, yes, we know things rationally, uh, yes, we know things empirically, uh, but we also know things by revelation. And the, the important place here is, is now you're going to start getting to issues of uh, metaphysics. What's the nature of reality? Because what Bart Ehrman, if you read this piece, is willing to grant is that there are some sort of superior beings. And as he lays it out in this article or this blog post, he basically says, look, the worm isn't really conscious of what we're doing. They might know that there's a person in some regard, or a dog might know there's a person, but they're not really aware of what we're capable of doing. And so in a similar way, Ehrman wants to say there might be beings superior to us that we simply don't have the knowledge of. And um, so, so we're, we're kind of like the dog, and there might be a quote-unquote God that's like a human being, um, but we're not just aware of all of what's going on there. And so we just have, are limited in our faculties. And so when Ehrman makes that claim, he's also making a metaphysical claim. He's making epistemological as well as a metaphysical claim. And as Christians, what we want to be able to do is, is come along and say, you know, here's who God is. Um, he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's not just a superior being to us. And one of the things that you're often going to get in unbelieving philosophy is basically like a great chain of being. And I remember being a little kid and kind of think about this is that uh, there's a continuum from uh, the lowest form of species uh, to the highest form of species, which was God. And I remember being a little kid and thinking about it and being like, yeah, there's, there are kind of along lines of what Ehrman had in his revelatory moment is, yeah, there's these things like worms and uh, mites and all that sort of stuff. And uh, there's, there's this being uh, that we're over these beings, but yet between us and them, they're also superior beings. So dogs are above those things. And so you don't step on kill dogs, but you might step on a bee, you might step on an ant, uh, you might step on a tick and those sorts of things, but you're not going to do that to a dog. And so in my head, there are these beings that kind of rising up, coming to human beings. And then over the human being is God. And in many ways, it's kind of like a great chain of being argument. And that would, and that, that's actually kind of monistic. I thought I did a podcast on monism and I, I couldn't go back through the library and uh, find uh one with that title, but, but the basic idea of monism that all reality is one and that there's basically a continuum from us down to the might, maybe up to God. And so Ehrman is basically operating with monistic assumptions. There might be gods. Um, they're kind of like the Greek gods. They might be superior to us and we just don't know who they are. But as Christians, what we're arguing is that there is a God who's creator of the heavens and the earth. He's made man his image and that God can reveal himself uh, to mankind. And so we're going to get more into the details of Ehrman's uh, epistemology and his revelatory thing. Uh, but the main thing I want you to take away from this podcast is, is I want you to have the category of rationalism, grasping necessary truths, empiricism, 
the idea that we uh, know things through sense impressions and experiences, and then the Christian view that's going to include rational faculties as well as empirical uh, knowledge, um, but we're also going to tie in the idea of revelation. And so I want to get into over the next couple weeks, and hopefully a lot, like I mentioned with some preaching, is getting a little bit more of Bart Ehrman's uh, view here. And I'm also going to tie in uh, two books, a guy named Thomas Nagel, who wrote a book called Mind and Cosmos, um, who is an atheist as far as I know and does not want there to be God, um, but is wrestling with the issue of consciousness, uh, which is one of the things that Bart Ehrman is wrestling with there, as well as a book by a guy named Alex Rosenberg, who wrote a book called An Atheist Guide to Reality, Life Without Illusions. And uh, he basically wants to destroy consciousness. So here you have two atheists going back and forth uh, to, to some extent, uh, who one wants to destroy consciousness. Then you have Bart Ehrman, Thomas Nagel, who realize that consciousness is this faculty that we have, and it's somehow different than the rest of the material world. And, and so uh, what we're able to do, I think apologetics, from an apologetic standpoint, is show out the inco- show the incoherence of kind of strands of atheism, materialism, and uh, even appealing to the idea of consciousness. So that's what I wanted to get out in this episode of the Campus Church Podcast, the, the idea of empiricism, rationalism, the Christian is bringing the idea of revelation. And we're going to look at more thoroughly uh, over the next couple episodes uh, the, the implications of, say, materialism, empiricism, rationalism, as well as revelation, using uh, some atheist works to kind of be our guide along the way and how Christianity contrasts with it. So that's this episode of the Campus Church Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, demands, rebukes, exhortations, feel free to reach out to me, Keith at CampusPreacher.com, on the Twitter, uh, Campus Evangel, or you can just hop on Facebook, Keith Daryl, and uh, you should be able to find me. So, uh, Lord bless you, keep you, talk to you next week. Behold, a sower went forth to sow, bearing precious seed in his hand, hoping and hope that he might.